Guess what, ghouls and goblins? The Spook Boys have officially joined Patreon. That's right, baby. The show as you know it will remain the same, ad-free, but our patrons will have exclusive access to bonus content. Interviews, franchise deep dives, even horror television. Wait, did you say television? You heard right, Sally. Becoming a patron means you're not only helping us keep the show running, but that it also remains available on all platforms, and again, ad-free. For more details, head on over to patreon.com, where you can become an official member of the Spoop Troop today. Thanks, guys, for joining us for this French classic of high art, Rage de Sangre. Sangre? Sangre. Does that translate to... It's not cranberry sauce, Artie. (laughs) No, that translates to slasher. Oops, shit. Yeah, (laughs) what's up, everybody? Uh, Welcome to another episode of Watch If You Dare, a horror movie podcast. Not just another episode. This is like our fifth. The audience knows at this point. They know the joke. Oh, it's it's another episode. It's another (laughs) journey back to the fucking pool. We're going to stick all of our zebra necks in and uh, just pray that the crocodiles don't get us. Yeah, of course. We're talking about fucking blood rage. As we do every Thanksgiving. And to join us this year, we've got fucking Nate and Tyler on the Bruce C. Boys of the <laughs> Bruce Campbell podcast and formerly the Anamorphin Time podcast. What is up, guys? What's going on? Thank you for having us. I'm thankful to be here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm thankful for Blood Rage or Slasher. I don't know which. Or Nightmare on Shadow Woods. What? <laughs> yeah. <it had> more <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Or if you check Mark Soper's official website, uh, the guy who played Todd and Terry, he calls it Nightmare at Shadow Ridge, which I don't think he realizes is not one of the titles. Yeah. Unless Aaron, was that a, <laughs> one of the titles? That was one of the titles at some point. So that's probably oh, like it was. Okay. for the two weeks that he filmed on this movie is what they told him he was making. And he has not paid attention since. So, yeah, <laughs> wow. sounds great. I can't remember a single ridge from that movie. Yeah, it's in fucking <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, it's in the <laughs> flattest state in the fucking union. <laughs> Yeah, here, right off of MarkJSoper.com, he was a seasoned regular on Knott's Landing and started the recently re-released, re-edited cult favorite, Nightmare on Shadow Ridge, playing the demented (laughs) twin sons of Luis Lasser. So even he hasn't gotten the, oh my God. which title it is. Man. All right. Sorry, I was just thinking, (laughs) the the good twin is Terry, right? Yes. Terry's the good twin. Or is it Brad? No, no Todd. Todd is the good Todd is the good one. Todd is the good one. I'm Todd. I'm Terry. I'm Todd. Yes. So in that description, calling them both demented twins, the good twin kind of takes a stray there. He didn't do anything wrong. 
No, yeah. well, they're both demented in their own way. <laughs> one <laughs> became demented naturally. The other one was forced to be. Mm. Yeah, that's a good. Wow, read. that's a good that's read a on good, it. That's a good it's, read. It's messed, it's messed wow. up. It's, it's, Save this shit for the conversation because we we are like. <laughs> Tapping the well dry at this point. Nah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, no, we got things to say. We got, I got a lot to say about Blood Rage. So anyway, yeah. Welcome, guys. This is going to be fucking great. There's a lot of crossover in this goofy as fuck movie mm-hmm. with lots of things that you guys have discussed on your shows. So I'm kind of excited to dig into some of that. And listeners, it should be a given. Go check out their shows. Yes, absolutely. Just go listen to their shows. They're great shit. And go listen to our episode on Blood Diner that you guys were on a while back. That was also a delightful movie. Yeah, and y'all were on our Sundown episode. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yes. so yes. great shit. Got the Animorph bug from listening <laughs> to their show and fucking plowed through all of Animorphs. So, wow. yeah, it's good shit. So definitely check out their show. And just dive headfirst into trauma, genocide, and child soldiers. It's a good, bad time. You know what I just learned? I literally saw a tweet that someone posted the whole, like, what Applegate wrote in response to people being pissed at the ending was kind of depressing. And it was, like, a nice thing about how, like, explaining to kids realities of war and everything. And I think she literally put that letter out four months before fucking 9-11 happened. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Yep. So, like, she kind of was ahead of the curve. Very much so. Also, one of the books features a character flying a plane into a building. <laughs> yep. What did Catherine yeah. Alice Applegate know, and when did she know it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this like a Simpsons predicting 9-11 thing? Well, well, you know, the hijackers came to America and trained here. Maybe one of them was in like a writing class. <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad Atta sitting down to read Otter in the, the Great and Terrible Ivan or whatever. Yeah, really. God, that would have been something just to have them like (laughs) sit and talk about their independent projects yeah so what do you do what do you write oh um this book series about children who turn into animals sure (laughs) sounds good that's great I write about the great Satan of America and how we're yeah. going to make him bleed. <laughs> yeah, they sound really similar, actually. Uh, yeah, it's God. pretty close. <laughs> Love the thematic overlaps. Oh, yep. <laughs> cool. Well, we start every episode with a few recommendations of other horror things that we have partaken of in the last little bit. So we always start with guests. Uh, Tyler, Nate, is there anything that you guys want to bring up that you have watched lately played lately read lately etc i'm i'm worried that tyler and myself have the same answer to this question yeah and i don't mind doing a double with you that's, that's fine do you want to do yeah. like one two three and then we say it yes we're gonna count down we have not planned this we're just gonna okay. see what happens right. i'm gonna go three two one and then we'll say the movie okay yeah, okay three two one cobweb the movie is cobweb i heard it again no more nightmares tonight. Okay, champ. <gasps> Daddy! This is getting ridiculous. This is an old house. There's bound to be bumps in the night. Peter drew this? Yes. Is he all right? Peter has an overactive imagination. Mom? Sometimes you have to make hard decisions to protect your family. What is that? The banging. Enough! 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 
have a beautiful imagination. It's going to get you into trouble one day. Y'all seen Cobweb? I have, yes. Yes, Aaron has. I went into it completely blind. Yeah. One of our friends just said, you just need to go watch this movie. And she's a friend that I always listen to when she says, watch this movie, because she's the one who showed me Blood Diner 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. So I was like, okay, we're going to watch Cobweb. And I sometimes forget that there are still modern movies that know how to make movies and be intentional and like light things and, you know, build a tone. Know how to be scary in a good way, not like in a Five Night at Freddy's way, you know. <laughs> I've, I've not seen the picture. Yeah, you're not familiar <laughs> with that movie? <laughs> I, until this year, I had no idea what FNAF was. I would just read it, and I'd be like, oh, none of my business. Yeah. What if there was a lady who was also a spider, though? <laughs> yeah, spider lady. <laughs> right. Maybe, though. We don't know. We don't know. Like, I don't want to spoil Cobweb. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, malignant, like. Yes. Two-thirds of the movie is one thing, and then the last third is completely insane. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's kind of exactly how I felt about it. In the first two-thirds, I kept thinking the entire time I was watching, I was like, this feels really obvious. This feels tonally kind of wild. What are they doing here? And then it got to that point. It's like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> That's where this is going? Okay, sure, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the acting just carried it, the, the yeah. first two-thirds. Lizzie Kaplan and Tony Starr rocked. Like Ho- Homelander and... Uh, Party Down. Party Down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Masters of Sex for you Showtime fans. I guess. Or Cloverfield. She was in Cloverfield, right? Yeah. yeah. True yeah. Blood. <laughs> Either way, phenomenal. If any one of them tripped on their role, then it would have stunk out loud. Mm-hmm. But it was fantastic. Yeah. It was definitely carried by the two of them, for sure. Yeah. The thing that sounds interesting to me that Aaron told me about it was the movie also, like, gets real violent and gory, too. Like, it's not afraid to just fuck some people up. No, not at all. Yeah. And it's a lot of practical effects, which practical effects just hit better than CG. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know what? Hitchcock was wrong. You should kill children on film. (laughs) It does make a better movie. (laughs) Especially if the children's a little dickhead like in Cobweb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're seeing that a little bit, too, in in modern horror, because doesn't another kid get his shit wrecked in Megan as well? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, That kid gets fucking killed. Yeah. Chucky? No, Megan. No, I'm, I'm saying like girl Ch- Chucky. No, I'm just saying in Chucky. Chucky for in girls. Chucky, yes. Sorry. In <laughs> Chucky, that children get murdered in Chucky. The TV yes. show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did watch the first season. <laughs> I'm not saying Megan's just Lady Chucky, although that's true. <laughs> well, they did interact with each other, apparently, once again on Twitter. Oof. I would watch a Megan versus Chucky, like an alien versus Predator. You say that. But I think it's going to go there. <laughs> yeah. Whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> best, best tagline for a movie ever. I, God, honestly. I have such fond memories of going to see the original Alien vs. Predator simply because the crowd was just fucking raucous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That movie in and of itself is not the best, but uh, I had a fun time seeing it and very little has lived up to that since then. <laughs> <laughs> AVP all the way. Yeah. yeah. Hell but yeah. you're right. Same with Freddy vs. Jason. It was like an event. It was like going to a boxing match uh, whenever you went to the theater. Because I also saw both those movies like pretty fresh off of release. And the crowd in both of them was pretty raucous as well. And uh, everyone was pretty hype about it. There, we had a pretty wild crowd for uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lady yeah. crying right next to Nate. <laughs> it was very funny. Like they, you, they should bring that back, though, because I'm like, 
okay, you know, we have enough modern horror movie monsters. You could have Baba Duke versus uh, Megalodon or something. Yeah. <laughs> I would see that. Oh, God. <laughs> or Cobweb. Malignant versus Cobweb. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Just malignant versus anything would be the fucking best. Just running fucking crab walk backwards with the long hair and shit. <laughs> just wearing the Matrix gi or whatever it was called. Yeah. No, I, I would love if there were more stupid versus movies, honestly. Like, imagine if we did get babadook versus megalodon and it was just fucking jason statham being like we've got a bigger problem there's a very gay monster who's stalking this shark it's parenthood yeah. <laughs> we're sad it's like throwing it follows against the smile monster or whatever <laughs> neither thing you ever actually see yeah perfect just a synth soundtrack <laughs> yeah the entire movie the setup is they have sex and it turns out they were cursed with both the smile monster and it follows they smile and commit suicide now this person has both coming after them <laughs> there you go writes itself I'd watch it I'm gonna turn them against each other I'd watch yeah. the hell out of that movie the curses <laughs> against each other yeah. oh my god yeah Cobweb was a lot of fun so I'm glad you guys enjoyed it that's a movie that when I first saw it I was kind of like eh, on and just with time I think I have grown to enjoy that movie a lot more Especially the last half, like you guys were saying, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of fun. It's pretty ridiculous. A slow burn, but a great payoff. Just great, great payoff. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of how I feel about this one, I am very much like, okay, whatever this writer-director team does next, I'll check it out for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like 90 minutes. That's like, yeah, come on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, uh, Derek, what have you got, sir? Just got one recommendation. Uh, it's a kind of a classic cult hit. Kind of speaking of movies that initially really uh, underwhelmed me, but then over the last few days I've been thinking about it and it sits with me and I like it more the more I think about it is uh, I watched 1973 George Romero's The Crazies. Okay. A.K.A. Codenamed Trixie. Good one. Good one. We never thought it would happen. Nobody gets in or out of that town now. Is that clear? The girl just died. How do you intend to let the people know about all this? We were asleep. Well, they dragged us right out of the house. Are we under martial law? Don't talk to me or anybody else unless you got a voice print check. Now look, you just can't push us around this way. We've got to get a nuclear weapon in the air above that town. They started something they can't stop. The crazy. Something that inflames. Something that brutalizes. It's madness unleashed by human error. The crazy. A small town becomes a giant stockade. Evan City must be contained or leveled. 3,614 people are trapped by an unknown enemy. Five are on the run. Can they escape the spreading fury of the crazy? Yeah, this is my first time watching it. Like I said, I'll get my initial reaction on the way because my initial reaction was I was a little underwhelmed. Felt a little bit at first like, oh, this feels like Wes Craven making Shocker to get back at Nightmare on Elm Street in the same way like George Romero's making the crazies to get back at Night of the Living Dead. And that was my initial reaction. I was like, it was good. It's interesting. It has a lot on its mind. I really dig the post-Vietnam War undertones throughout the entire movie. 
the idea of the army and the government really just fucking over an entire town based off of their own fuck up and them trying to cover it up. I think all that's interesting, especially back in 1973. Yeah, and of course, nothing like that has ever happened. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Never. Not once. Our government doesn't do that. Right after I watched it, I thought, well, the subject matter and the things it was talking about was more interesting than what was actually on the screen. But then the more I thought about it after watching it, I really appreciated the darkest fuck ending. It had an ending that rivals Night of the Living Dead's bleak ending. Mm-hmm. I really dug how it went back and forth between showing what was going on with that colonel and then showing the two Vietnam vets. One of my favorite images of any movie I've watched in recent memory is when the army first comes in to block off the town from everybody. And they're like going in everyone's houses and herding them out of their houses almost kind of violently and basically disrespecting their boundaries and everything. There's that scene where like soldiers are running into someone's house, disturbing the family while they're asleep. And you see on the wall, like this was a Vietnam vet, highly decorated. Here are all his medals and people are just ushering him out like nothing. It doesn't matter what he did for his country. Like he's just another person exposed to this virus that's going on. So yeah, for those of you who don't know the crazies, the army accidentally, oops, spills a biological weapon virus that causes people to literally go crazy and they either just die horrifically or they become hyper-violent out of their minds. Yeah, it's rage virus kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. 28 Days Later wouldn't exist without the crazies, basically. I still think my only minor gripe, and it might have been because of the like budgetary issues or whatever that Romero was facing, because the fucking budget on this movie was shoestrings. It was like only, what, 300000 I saw? Yeah, it was very, very low. My only minor gripe even now is that there weren't enough scenes with the actual crazies in it because the couple scenes we got where like, people are actually like infected and showing what the symptoms are like, those were all fascinating. Like The fucking people running through the field, firing guns and having pitchforks running at the soldiers, and then you have that one woman in the background just sweeping the field of like all the dead bodies with her broom. All that shit was interesting. The grandmother attacking that one soldier with the sewing equipment was all awesome, and then the soldier walks in on her, and she's just sitting there knitting, rocking in her chair with the dead body on the ground. I loved all that imagery. It was all great horror shit. I just wish there was a little bit more of it. But Otherwise, it is a movie that has a lot on its mind. I think it's a movie that Unfortunately, like a lot of these horror political movies, is it's only aged better, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. uh, nowadays. Again, this is another prime example of horror has always been political. I don't understand where the people who say like, oh, politics doesn't belong in horror movies. Here you fucking go. George Romero, again, another early 70s movie. Hell Night of the Living Dead, what, was 68? 66 i can't remember yeah, 68 yeah i really like this movie i actually want to rewatch it and i think my second viewing of it will be even better kind of excited for us to cover it eventually aaron uh, the more i go through george romero's filmography uh the more and more i love the man and i kind of miss him so yeah yeah it's very clear he still had a lot on his mind from making night of the living dead and Absolutely. that he was more interested in the social ramifications of everything going on and yeah it Kind of fucking hits a little bit different after the last couple of years. Granted, thankfully, things never got that intense. But, uh, you know, it's still one of those things where it just lingers in the back of your mind more than it probably should. But yeah, that one's a lot of fun. And it's surprisingly available pretty much everywhere, I think, because it did not have the same problem as Night of the Living Dead, where like it immediately fell into public domain. But it right. has some kind of weird wide open all of the original fucking producers and the original distributor, like, none of those people or companies exist anymore. So, like, 
it is just kind of wide open for anybody to pick up. I would say now that you've seen that one, maybe check out the remake because the remake is honestly not the worst. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've heard the remake is decent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the like 2000s remakes, that one is one of the better ones in hindsight. That's one of the strengths, I think, of George Romero that I don't think he gets enough credit for is that anytime he makes a new movie of his own, like The Crazies, Night of the Living Dead, and I would go so far as to say Bruiser from 2000. Mm-hmm. When he makes a new idea, he explores some really strong, haunting themes with his horror movie. Like, I don't yeah. know very many people who have seen Bruiser at all, but it's a story about isolation from your job and your wife. And yeah. it turns a guy into a faceless killer because he feels so powerless in his life. The guy, when he gets to do his own thing, is great. Like, I didn't care for Land of the Dead or all those other sequels because it was, he was going back to a well that was popular. You, didn't, you didn't like Skyflowers? <laughs> <laughs> they call fireworks Skyflower. Yeah, I did like John Leguizamo. That's fine. <laughs> but I think George Romero, like, is a fantastic director. When, when he has a singular vision, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm very excited for us to eventually cover Martin. And That's the one that Aaron has been wanting to do yeah. like, since we started our show. If you guys have not seen Martin, it's easily available to stream now because it's been fully remastered and they just put out a new physical copy of it. So it's popped up on streaming. It's a young guy who is convinced he's a vampire, but probably not. He's probably just kind of a fucked up guy. Ah, Vampire's Kiss. It's like (laughs) Vampire's Kiss, except he's sneaking into people's houses with a syringe and like, taking their blood while they're sleeping and then tasting it and actually throwing up because it's fucking gross and thinking like, maybe I'm not a vampire and not just Nick Cage running down the street screaming, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. Sorry I ruined your recommendation by conflating it with Vampire's Kiss. No, that movie's fucking great. Hey, Vampire's Kiss is also a good, yeah, that one's a good one too. But yeah, The Crazies, I, I watched it on Tubi for free, so there you go. Very easily yeah. available. The people's platform, baby. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, Tubi is. We have been championing Tubi even way before they had ads on the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> Tubi yeah. has been how I've watched like half the shit we've done on this show. It's the only place to find Day of the Dead to stream. That's wild to me, and it's a VHS yeah. rip. That's incredible. <laughs> it's a VHS Why? rip. So there are some horror movies on there where it is a retro VHS style gimmick where you hit play and it's like a vhs tape going in and it's four three ratio and you get static and shit and tracking lines it's just like a weird fun way to watch some of those old movies and there are a few on tubi like that i don't know where it came from i don't know what that style is associated with like what group made those (laughs) versions it's probably like some old anchor bay shit Mm -hmm. that they like had on the dvds back in 2004 and just somehow those made it on to Tubi because there's no rights associated with that edit of the movie or something. Well, yeah, uh, one thing I want to bring up real quick. I checked out John Darnielle's new book, Devil House. I think I've mentioned him on here before. He is the lead singer from The Mountain Goats. Mm-hmm. The Mountain Goat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has written a couple of books that are pretty fucking wild and out there and fun. Devil House is specifically about a murder location 
and kind of the like urban legend aura around it about is the location cursed? Was there bad vibes? Was there something else going on? Because multiple murders happen there over the course of a few decades. And so it's a guy who is a true crime writer, moves to this town, starts writing about the house. And it's just him digging into all these people's lives to kind of figure out how all the pieces fit together. It really is just about there is nothing fucking paranormal about this house whatsoever. It's just all these broken people and their lives intersecting in weird ways where, like, bad shit ended up happening. (laughs) But it's kind of a weird, fascinating look at small-town America and the 80s especially. Just all the, like, satanic panic, Dungeons & Dragons love, kids being kids and teenagers and just wanting to kind of do their own thing and adults reading way too much into it. And it's just stuff like, okay, a murder occurs, the police get there, and they're like, what the fuck is this crazy house of Satanists? Because there's devil shit all over the place, and it's not really, right? So it's a very interesting look at how urban legends get built up around places like this where bad shit happened, and how they kind of perpetuate themselves, and how a lot of it is just small town accidents and things crossing over the course of decades, and just people's lives intersecting in odd ways. But yeah, I really enjoyed that one. That is Devil House. I think it came out like two or three years ago. I read Universal Harvester back when it first came out, and really enjoyed that one, but I haven't checked out his other work. I really need to. Wolf and White Van is also interesting if you want to get into like the head of a serial killer who loves word puzzles it's good but that one is definitely kind of the most esoteric i think of his three books so far so yeah if anybody wants to get into some very specific and weird writing from a guy who is the front man of a strange folk rock group have fun dig in uh it's interesting mm-hmm. wild shit and i'm kind of surprised at this point that nobody has bothered to like option any of his three books to try to adapt them maybe part of it is the stream of conscious weirdness, kind of like all their music, is slightly unadaptable in some people's eyes. I don't know. But yeah, definitely worth checking out if you're into like small town shit. I remember Universal Harvester having weird shit in it, but it was pretty straightforward story. I feel like that one would be pretty adaptable. Well, all of his books kind of, again, like center around this notion of things being built up to be more than they actually are. Like, Real evil is a lot more mundane and banal than, like, a house of horrors where all these people were fucking murdered and there's a devil drawn on the wall. It's it's a lot simpler than that, but it's also a lot dumber than that. It's just a lot more, (laughs) oh, this kid was squatting there and bad things kind of transpired from there kind of thing. So the serial killer who, like, word puzzles basically lost his wordle stretch and started killing people then? Like, that kind of... <laughs> I would have called it Myrtle. Mur- murder? But, but wordle murder? And her name is Myrtle. So that makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. Myrtle Myrtle. Myrtle Myrtle. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's a I'm, so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> is this a good time to recommend uh, any of you listeners who aren't on our Patreon? Go to our Patreon for more great content like this. <laughs> like Myrtle. Myrtle. <laughs> yeah. We just discussed one of the episodes of Masters of Horror, directed by John Carpenter, Cigarette Burns. 
as I told our guests when we all kind of first got on, I just had my COVID and flu boosters yesterday, so I feel really fucking loopy, just like Udo Kier in Blood for Dracula, just <laughs> screaming, the blood of these whores is killing me. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much all Derek and I are doing on that Cigarette Burns episode is just screaming like Udo Kier for like an Look, hour. It's a uh, good shit. I made my own masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guts in projector. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the wonderful, the inevitable, the amazing, the endless blood rage from 1987 question mark 1983 mm. question mark nobody yeah. knows <laughs> before we start Brad and I have an announcement to make come on you tell them well we're gonna tie the knot <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Mom. Oh, Terry. Oh, Terry. I love you so much. Oh, that's really nice. Congratulations. I'm happy for you both. I really am. Thanks. <laughs> I guess the toast is in order. Um, oh, it does. <laughs> here's to the new family. that this big bird is ready for carving. Terry, you do the honors. Well, seeing as how we have a new head of the family, I think it's time you started pulling your own weight around here. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Hey. Listen, dig in, everybody. Dig in. I mean, on the other stuff. Oh, great. great. Yeah, what a movie. So it's been a while since Nate and I have been on this podcast. And I believe since then, Derek, you've had a child. Is that correct? Well, you didn't. I believe your wife did. <laughs> yeah, she did all the work. <laughs> so it's interesting to me that you would still be enjoying this anti-MILF propaganda that is Blood Rage. <laughs> so that's your initial thought, huh? That's what, that's what you're going to lead in with? And I'm... Look, I have long been a MILF defender, supporter, lover, <laughs> appreciator, connoisseur. Mm. And it's wild to me, this movie's treatments of what I would call some of the strongest women on the planet, the single mom. <laughs> well, there's yeah. one single mom in this movie that is not particularly strong. Look, just- some single moms can be evil. Yeah. Some can just be on the hunt for a rich man to care for her and her baby. That's yes. fine. And some just like yeah. drinking and eating on the floor. <laughs> so I am glad you guys are on the same wavelength as Aaron and I, because I think out of every guest, you guys are the ones to bring it up this time, not Aaron or I. How about that scene with Elise Lasser just drunk out of her mind, eating fucking handfuls of stuffing? Just shoving corn into her mouth with her hands. <laughs> That's the most realistic Thanksgiving scene I think I've seen in a exactly. movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's 2 a.m. Your family's out being crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what to do. You're just going to eat on the floor. Exactly. What is this neorealism masterpiece? 
Yeah. Tyler, <laughs> when was the last time you ate food on a floor? Uh, probably this week. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's not an uncommon occurrence for me, but I realized that I'm on the far end of the bell curve. Hey, I legitimately ate Rice Krispies on the floor like three nights ago after my yeah. kids went to bed. So. Nothing hits better than watching David Fincher's The Killer while eating a meatball sub on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing that would have been better is if you were on the floor doing yoga like Michael <laughs> Fassbender while you were eating your fucking Quiznos sub. I can't bend like that guy. <laughs> I should have brought that movie up. Maybe I'll save that to the next episode. But uh, yeah, Heather and I also just saw that and the entire time. I just kept thinking like, God damn it. How many fucking dudes are going to dress like Michael Fassbender for Halloween next year with the stupid bucket hat? How many dudes are going to sign up for like fucking yoga now? Just okay. Wait, sure. has David Fincher made yet another like character that everyone misses the point and thinks is cool? Yup, he's your Tyler Durden too. <laughs> God damn it, really? Which that's going to suck because. They're going to think I'm dressed like the killer when I'm really dressed like Brad Pitt from Bullet Train with his bucket hat. It's just <laughs> not fair. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Us bucket hat lovers are really eaten right now, but, you know, I'm like the good kind of masculinity, not the bad kind. Yeah, see, stocks are low <laughs> for the puka shell necklace. That's all I got. Yeah. Can't wear a hat. Bring him back. <laughs> gotta wear that beige windbreaker so nobody sees my barbed wire tribal tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the killer was interesting but it was very much oh this guy who is a professional in air quotes and has all these quote rules for himself is really terrible at his job and kind of a dipshit <laughs> you know who isn't terrible at his job as a slasher fucking mark soper in this exactly <laughs> yeah oh my god he does an okay job <laughs> he's having a good time but a lot of people get slashed hey his only thing was he's overconfident. He enjoyed it a little too much. Otherwise, that body count would have been higher. Yeah. I mean, taking a 10-year break, he really put some numbers down. Yeah. He forgot he was a murderer for and 10 also, years. <laughs> also, I don't think there was a 10-year break. Given the ending, the weird Louise Lasser rubbing up against him and caressing his neck during Thanksgiving dinner, and then her <laughs> saying, it's only going to be you and me forever. I don't need another man. I'm glad I killed your nice brother. Look, we need more horror movies about moms being weird to their sons. Tyler, I think that's most horror movies. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was a, thinking in my head. There's a lot, <laughs> and I can name some off the top of my head, unfortunately. I mean, we've just done two in a row. Well, yes, I, like... I know it's well-trodden grounds, but I think it would be a lot better if the smile monster was their mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. That's what I do like about Blood Rage. Is, say if it was remade now, they would be like, he represents trauma. No, Blood Rage doesn't do that shit. Like, yes, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of shitty relationships between brothers and your mom. But Blood Rage doesn't care about any of that. Blood Rage just thrives in the not cranberry sauce. No, in the one time they bring in a therapist to explain the trauma, they do it via voiceover because they don't want to waste our time with that bullshit. <laughs> Saw Maddie Simmons, Todd's mother, for the first time today. I don't think she was quite prepared for what I told her. That after 10 years, Todd was starting to remember what had happened in the drive-in that night. Facing the fact that Todd's memory of the incident cast suspicion on his twin brother, Terry, was not that Terry. easy for her. On Terry? What? Are you crazy? Her position on another issue was also somewhat negative. No! No! No more tests! No more tests! My children are not guinea pigs! My past work with hysterical patients helped me calm her down. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. they still did that. They still wasted our time with that bullshit. God, when that scene happened, I looked at Nate and I said, wow, they're show and telling at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start there because, again, I, I don't know if I brought this up, Aaron. Frankly, listeners, I might be retreading ground. We've done this five times in a row now. Am I under the impression that that's been his doctor since he was a boy, but he never saw Todd in the 10 years with his mom ever interact? Because she makes that statement like, this is the first time I've ever seen them interact in person. Or was he catatonic for 10 years and all of a sudden he's no longer catatonic? They never really make that clear. I think he went to baby prison. <laughs> I mean, because like they, they do mention, like, the, you know, when the, the, the two ladies are gossiping about Todd. It's like, oh, I heard he went to prison. And I'm like, oh, maybe he went to prison. Maybe because like, you know what? This was like 83. Yeah. So a range like they weren't trying kids as adults. Maybe this was the first one. You know, maybe they put him in like a solitary confinement. Yeah, it happened in Jacksonville, Florida, which every time that pops up is the first thing on the screen. It gives me a chuckle. Yeah, but this is a slash happening in Jacksonville, Florida. This is the most Floridian movie I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, my God, they just hucked him in the Everglades and said, "All right, we'll be back to yeah. give you therapy." <laughs> I really got a hand in this movie because it does one thing that I love in movies, and that's viciously murder a landlord. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, with the exception of the guy just trying to bang in the driving in the opening scenes, he's Terry's first victim, right? Mm-hmm. During the actual blood rage, yeah, it's pretty great. There's one victim before that, though, and that is whoever Ted Raimi is selling condoms to, because he did say yes. he pinned them to his jacket. Well, those and are just- so like maybe <laughs> a victim there might, you know. Once again, you guys are on our wavelength because every year we've had to bring that up with our guests, and you guys brought it up first, which I appreciate. No, I get that argument, and I could see, but that's novice movie watcher shit. Oh, thank like, you. Like you're not, right. you guys aren't detail oriented like me. Yeah, those were the ones <laughs> that were on display. He sold him ones that came out of his pocket that were unpinned. They're good. But what if he wanted some of the reds? Well, he said he liked Trojans, which I did not know. Trojans used to be spelled differently. What? It was T-R-O-J-A-N-Z-N-N-Z or something. It's spelled really weird. It's like Trojans. Oh. Huh. They should not make these movies in HD. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I wonder if that was some fake made-up bullshit and they, like, taped over the real condoms with their own label as a joke on Trojans so they didn't get copyright infringed for whatever reason, which again, who the fuck is watching this movie to be like, (laughs) God damn it, call headquarters, they're impeding on our copyright for fucking rubbers. Like, okay, sure, call legal. Yeah, but if I'm John Pepsi and somebody is drinking a big old Pepsi and say, "Mm, I love Pepsi in blood rage, I would maybe give them a call and say, like, hey, don't, we're not associated with <laughs> Oh, you rage. mean, like, you mean Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, should have called every <laughs> character from Blood Rage because all of them were wearing fucking Nike shirts? God, yeah, it was everywhere, wasn't it? Every, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the product placement for Nike, Nike is actually. pretty big in this movie. Yeah. I meant to, like, rewind this, but then I did it. So, like, <laughs> I'm just going to ask you guys. The guy who bought the condom, is that the guy who then gets butchered by Terry? Like, Kid yes. Terry? Sure is. Yep, that's him. I always miss that, and I always mean to, like, go and remember and check it out, but then I don't. I will say, for the first time we've been doing this, I was dreading actually going into this movie. I was just like, this is a homework assignment. This is a chore. First time this happened, started watching the movie, and guess what, Aaron? The movie brought me in. It gave me a hug and it told me that's not cranberry sauce on its sleeve. <laughs> I reignited my love for this movie yet again. So it goes to show 
you can watch this movie seven times and it still holds up. I watched it by myself on my laptop and I was giggling like a little girl. <laughs> uh, I just can't wait until your kids are old enough to watch this with you and we can have your children on. Yeah, fuck Jaws, fuck The Shining. We're going to start with Blood Rage. <laughs> yeah, it's your Thanksgiving <laughs> movie that you watch every year. It is a family movie when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. very much so. It has family values. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, Your daughters like, are going to be bringing boys home on Thanksgiving and you're going to be like, children, sit down. We're going <laughs> to watch this yarn about safe sex and not smoking marijuana (laughs) and cock blocking your mom basically (laughs) making out the tennis court at night yeah (laughs) having sex on a diving board okay all right hold on i don't know the character's name but for lack of a better term the slutty party girl which one there's only one true slutty party girl You're, you're right the one who's studying partying at school like she said yeah when the she, one who teaches like when she's like oh we're reminiscing about a time when men were horny and wanted to fuck a lot and the other guy's like well that's my cue and then they run off i thought they were gonna go off get killed having sex which eventually does happen but they run off to put on stage makeup to spook their friends <laughs> uh-huh incredible yep. yep they disappear for like two fucking hours and everybody's like wait where are they why do we just hear giggling from the bathroom? <laughs> I did want to interrupt you because you were going on that train of thought. Her name's Andrea. You get that once you've seen this movie <laughs> as many times as we did. They're perfect for each other. They're soulmates. <laughs> right? Because like they, they both like said, yes, it's a great idea. We should get a whole bunch of... I'll bring out my theater makeup kit. Yeah. I'll do you up real good. <laughs> yeah, sex is cool, but have you ever wanted to look like the monster from Mulholland Drive? <laughs> <laughs> they should get married. Uh, for those of you keeping up too, his his name is Greg, but with two G's. And I found that out this year because I had the captions on this time. <laughs> and every time he talked, it was Greg with two G's. So he would have that there second. You go. Yeah, he seems like a real two G Greg. Third G? I guess it's Third G. three G's. Three G. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three G's. Three G Greg. It's just that if you're with somebody who goes along with that and then immediately is like, yeah, we should go play tennis. And then you're also cool with that. You're not going to find that person again. Exactly. Right, I mean, like, that's such a unique person who says, let's do stage makeup and then play tennis at night. Manic pixie dream slasher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And exactly true to form, they both end up just dying together and leaving this world hand in hand because there was just nothing left for them once they peaked that hard. They chafe themselves on a fucking diving board by fucking on the diving board before they're killed. <laughs> so there are two questions I ask our guests every year. I'll start with the first one. And this one really popped up because on one of the episodes, Aaron had the audacity to say that this movie has more with Thanksgiving than the original John Carpenter Halloween has with the actual holiday of Halloween. What are you guys' thoughts? Do you agree with that assessment or no? I mean... In Halloween, they go trick or treating. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a trick or treating scene. And Michael like makes like Halloween decorations with corpses. Yeah, but you know, the, which one is thematically more important to their movies? Is this one like a Thanksgiving movie in the sense that if you remove Thanksgiving, it would be missing something? But the other side of that question is for the budget that this movie has, for the level of anybody giving a shit that this movie has. Also, why is it set at Thanksgiving? Because like I said, there is no reason for this to be set during Thanksgiving, but the director-writer like made that choice. A single mom goes out on a date for Thanksgiving. Apparently, no one lives in this apartment complex. A little girl and her cat live in one apartment by themselves. Artie mentions to Greg after they get scared by the stage makeup that he and Karen are going to go to Mark Johnson's party. 
his Thanksgiving party? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and do all these people live in the apartment complex? Derek, it's Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true. Very true. You could just walk from Shadow Ridge over to, like, Crest Lane or... <laughs> fucking shell cove or any of the other goofy ass fucking florida apartment complexes and yeah just jump around from place to place and just find a party it's fine it was the 80s well at one point he says that he owns a 10 acre apartment complex and has a nature trail in full force whatever when uh, karen was running around towards the end of the movie and like during the final chase scene which is always hilarious because it really is just terry fucking around and having a good time why doesn't she just run out of the apartment complex. I think of that every time I watch this movie. Because fucking Todd just wanders into the apartment complex and he was downtown the scene before. So I'm guessing there's civilization nearby. Just run to the town, whatever. Yeah, but then you're running into, like, downtown Jacksonville. Which is more more dangerous. dangerous. So you're just going to be, yeah, surrounded by, like, fucking college bars and Parrothead hangouts. Yeah, the woke Jacksonville crowd will murder you. (laughs) (laughs) These are the saddest collection of teenagers. Thanksgiving's important to this movie. I don't think so. No, I think it is, because here's why. is All these kids are hanging out together in Thanksgiving, not with their family. Right, they they want to be away from their families. They want to go drinking and putting on stage makeup because, for whatever reason, they're avoiding their families for Thanksgiving. This didn't click with me until the question was brought up. This is Thanksgiving, right? Yes, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So the milf goes on a date on Thanksgiving. Who goes on a date? That's why she gets killed. She committed a sin. The sin of dating on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> when I view this more through the lens of Thanksgiving, it's like. Wow. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) It's a weird holiday. So I will say, like, it's more the audacity to say that Thanksgiving is more important to this movie than Halloween is to uh, 1978 Halloween. That's more of a making fun of, but I am glad Blood Rage does take place on Thanksgiving because then we wouldn't have Louis Lasser on the floor eating like green bead casserole with bare hands and just shoving it. Well, it does have the same energy of Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving. The energy of that day is super fucking weird. You're eating yeah. dinner at 2 p.m. Like yeah. everything's thrown off. You spend the rest of the day just fucked up from eating too much. You might have like strangers show up at your Thanksgiving. Like, I don't really know or like these people. True. You know? Yeah. yeah. When I view it through that lens, oh, yeah, this is definitely a Thanksgiving <laughs> movie. You're also celebrating the genocide of Native Americans, too. So <laughs> right. I think there's well, that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Think about that next time you're watching Blood Rage. It is so easy to make a Thanksgiving horror movie. It's it's surprising that they haven't nailed it, except for Blood Rage. I feel like Blood Rage really captured the spirit, right? Why build upon what is already a masterpiece is really what you should be asking yourself. I mean, we kind of talked about this before. It's very easy. You have a pilgrim come back and start murdering people. Pilgrim. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, it's better than fucking Thanksgiving with the fucking rubber turkey puppet that's Mm -mm. just screaming racial slurs the entire time okay hold up let me write this down (laughs) hey and who knows maybe Uh, the the eli roth thanksgiving movie uh will really take off part of me hopes it'll always be blood rage that holds the crown for thanksgiving slash oh it definitely will there's no topping this are you kidding me (laughs) I, i would say the death scenes were very meaty, right? The mm-hmm. special effects like had a gravy consistency, to it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that brain actually looked like something you would eat in the 70s. Sure. <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. it's an aspect or something. Yeah. I think I brought this up on the very first time we recorded on it. I love that Terry's machete can cut through everything like it's butter. Brain, skull, bone, 
skin, mm-hmm. muscle, just mwah, clean like, cut. Oh, so you're saying it's the, it's the blade and not the person? Oh no, no, he's kind of it's, like a college student as an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, when he does, the, it's not cranberry sauce to Artie. He lifts Artie off the ground with his bare hands and and using the. Uh, Fuck, what does he use again? Like the turkey fork or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> the two-prong poker. Yeah, Listeners, if you haven't listened, have watched this movie, this would be fucking wild for you to listen to. Go watch Blood Rage, by the way. Yeah, Terry just has that natural Florida bath salts level of energy where he is just nonstop from moment one psychotic energy and it keeps up everybody else like tyler was saying in this movie has their lull where they're like oh yeah we ate and drank too much let's go like fuck around and play coleco vision or whatever the hell they were playing and terry is just bouncing around like a fucking espresso bean kudos to him kudos to him for being young and spry and having that kind of energy because again i feel like garbage today after just getting like a pokey poke so there's something to be said about the energy of youth and uh, embrace it while you can. When he uh, meets with Dr. Roman's goon, which is possibly my favorite kill in this movie, like never has an, there been a more deserving victim in a slasher movie than that guy. <laughs> I love the just no fucks give attitude where he's like, yeah, I'll hit that shit and takes the blood from him <laughs> and this puffs on it before he murders him. That murder felt more intimate than the rest because the goon, Gets this hurt, surprised look on his face, yeah. and then softly puts his hand on Terry's neck as Terry pulls him in and stabs him further. And I'm like, this is so loving. This is, what am I watching? And then he keeps smoking the joint, which respects. Yeah. 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 That is one thing that you miss in a lot of slasher movies the slasher legitimately having a good time, what they're doing. And that's why I love this movie so much, because Terry is having a great time. It finally clicked with me that scene that's kind of, I guess, the most iconic shot where you have Karen cornered in that side closet outside area. And like she's behind the door. He knows she's there. But then the camera zooms up on him and he he brings the machete, rests up on his shoulder. And he like has a shit eating grin. And he like thinks for a second, then turns around, walks off. That's the moment where he decides he's going to position all the bodies around. And chase her to all the bodies so she could discover all the her dead friends everywhere. I love that. Yes, it's his undoing because he should have just killed Karen. And then maybe he could have like figured oh. out what to do with his mom. Did, did he miss on purpose in the beginning when he, he was chasing girlfriend? Yeah, like, yeah he, he like because he telegraphed that swing. Yeah, no, he he totally was just fucking with Karen. He's saving her for the last kill and he's he's having a good time. Okay. She wanted alone time. Yeah. I mean, she's going to get it. And, okay. <laughs> and the, like, she says, I want you to make love to me, to who she thought was her boyfriend. Yeah. What is that? What is making love end with? A baby. She ends up with a baby. Wow. Movie. Yeah. You put it together. Yeah. So there you go. I figured out Boom. blood rage. Yeah. Very <laughs> little rage. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, no rage. I guess Louise Lasser gets pretty pissed off at the end when she kill when the wrong son dies. The wrong kid died. Louise Lasser is more pissed off when she is just talking to some random telephone operator. <laughs> Jesus know, Christ. At like 2.30 in the morning, drunk. And, you know, it's just one of those like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's kind of moment. Uh, well, the problem is that um, my son just escaped from his school. Well, actually, he ran away. Actually... It's a mental institution. He ran away from his mental institution. Now, um, well, uh, well, now I was there earlier today 
to bring him his pie. I, I always bring him an individual piece of pie with a, a, a white plastic fork and a napkin, and I put it in a little box with string. I'm a baker. What? What? What number do I want? Get me my boyfriend. No, please get me my boyfriend. <laughs> Not just drunk, like cheap red wine drunk. Florida red wine it's drunk. It's such a wild thing to follow her around her adventure. Because she, what, eats a bunch of food on the floor, drinks a bunch of wine, gets carried off to bed. She then wakes up and goes back for more wine. Yeah, she she gets put to bed and then wakes up and starts vacuuming while drinking wine. <laughs> Just incredible. And all of this is after, earlier in the night, she announces to a room full of strangers, except for her son, question mark, that she is getting married to the landlord. <laughs> and her son's only response is just like, cool, mom. Thanks, Dale, and just glares at the guy, just like, you're going to be my new dad? We'll see about that, you fuck. The scene that gets me every time, I laugh every single time I see it, it's like when they go out to the kitchen, like, she gets that phone call that Todd has escaped, and she, like, tells Terry, like, now, whatever we do, don't tell anybody that he, he's out. <laughs> and then immediately Terry tells everybody, and just that look on her face that she gives him, you motherfucker, just <laughs> so good every time. Louise Lasser, what an actress. I don't think she was acting. <laughs> that's just her. Oh, you think she was just yeah. drunk? Yeah. They were <laughs> filming while she was cleaning up the set while drinking wine. It's like, all right, we got to work with this. We've gone through the production on probably the first episode, but if she was apparently hard to work with on this movie, if you can believe it. This was kind of at a point in her career that she had substance abuse problems right Aaron wasn't that what was going on right now in her career yes and I think it was also a little bit of she was a tv star for several years on a big show and now I'm on blood and so she also <laughs> very much had a like I'm better than this kind of attitude but I agree I like to believe that a lot of this is just her making fucking life decisions and then capturing it on camera and just working the character around her just being miserable on this production and just getting wasted and eating corn on the floor. <laughs> what if they had to rewrite parts of the script just because she was improving the most depressing shit, which was her like doing all that in the house? She was calling the operator for real and they just turned the <laughs> camera on as she yells at the operator. Yeah, just slowly <laughs> zoomed in on her while she's oh, just going on and on about, you know, oh yeah, my son, he's got... Fucking pumpkin pie and I put a little <laughs> bow on it for him, and he just said, uh, "It was you gotta help me." Just screaming. <laughs> My favorite line delivery of hers by far is when the therapist, psychologist, woman, and her goons show up with a gun. By the way, just like straight up a fucking like revolver. <laughs> that guy's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a gun and weed. <laughs> yeah, they're just waving that shit around. He's the most Jacksonville guy. It is. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, exactly. They knock on the front door and are like, "Oh yeah, hi. I am his therapist, doctor." And the goon is just behind her, like fucking waving a gun in the air. Her immediate response of just, "Oh yeah, you're looking for my son." Okay what's that gun and just like screaming <laughs> yeah. immediately like what the fuck is going on hey i got him doc put that gun down 
worry about the gun. It's only a tranquilizer gun. Now listen, I'm Dr. Berman. I'm from the Institute. I want to see your mother. Dr. Berman, yes. did you find him? No, I haven't even looked yet. What's that gun? It's okay, Mom. That's an appropriate response. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if somebody's like, hey, you know, Tyler, he had a break. He's run wild around town. I'd be like, oh, no, I got to. Why do you have a gun out? <laughs> What's the gun for? <laughs> but not why. What is that gun? This is the line yeah. delivery. What's that oh, gun? Yeah. yeah. Okay, not why the gun, but what the gun. Yeah. She was asking what caliber. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, her apartment is full of guns. <laughs> we learned that. Yeah, it's Florida. Yeah. But, like, the line delivery is along the same lines of the room. What kind of money, Denny? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of money? I owe him some money. What kind? of money everything is okay he's gone everything is not okay denny that is a dangerous man <laughs> calm down he's going to jail Denny, what kind of money just tell me it's very similar and it, it, it's another one that gets a chuckle every time the other thing i'd always like to listen to every time i watch this is the lord never sleeps 24 7 midnight bible <laughs> yeah. radio show that the landlord listens to my god <laughs> the thing that's great about that and this is something like it takes a couple watches to like really set in you're actually listening to like the Bible quotes the guy is saying, it all telegraphs either what has happened or what's about to happen. He's always saying shit like an eye for an eye and a hand for a hand right before Terry cuts mm -hmm. off his hand. And then later on, he mentions you'll have two sons and one will go out into the forest with an axe and all this shit. So it's run by an oracle with a sense of humor, which is what I always appreciate on every watch. So what I'm hearing is like this is someone's passion project. Oh, like, they put like effort. It's gotta be. It's like, absolutely right. gotta be. Yeah, I on my second watch, I didn't catch it the first time, but the landlord had that Escher picture of the hand holding the orb <laughs> yes. in his office <laughs> yeah. right before he gets his hand cut off, and I'm like, there's no way that that's not intentional. There's no way someone cared a lot. Say with the radio quote saying a hand for a hand right before that happens, and then also too uh -huh. like when the goon is walking around right before Terry kills him, you hear that cat meow and he like jumps and gets false jump scared that's the cat the little girl's looking for later on in the movie see everything fits in this movie very snugly it all makes sense no plot holes here good script writing <laughs> god i just want uh, some milf to bring me banana liqueur is that so wrong <laughs> with her giant 80s teased up mullet absolutely <laughs> what's the line that bill always says where he sniffs is like mm, creme de la mint or whatever <laughs> Crim de Minth. Crim yeah, de exactly. Minth, yeah. Just, mm. do, do, should I have that on the rocks or straight up? <laughs> yeah. I love that room temp Crim de Minth that's just been sitting on <laughs> that coffee table for who knows how many fucking months. Wow. Coconut liqueur. I never had a coconut liqueur. But what do you do? You take it straight or on the rocks? <laughs> well, anywhere you like it. Not for children. Silly thing to put on a liquor bottle. <laughs> not for children. Of course it's not for children. Read it again. Body. Liquor. I thought you might like an appetizer. Well, you know, nothing's better for a Florida Thanksgiving than a warm painkiller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also got to hand it to Terry. Aaron, you mentioned how, like, he's kind of just bouncing off the walls throughout this movie. Like, from get-go, like, I think it's, like, only the 20-minute mark before the blood rage starts, and then he's just killing motherfuckers left and right. But uh, I love how quick he was with rigging Bill's head up with the power cord outside and getting it perfectly level so when she looked at the people, she saw his head. 
and then she would open the door and it's like oh <laughs> it's his head uh i gotta get handed to terry there because that kill is always fantastic but i didn't realize that she like looks out the peephole first sees him right there so like i gotta hand it to terry for the creative work of art he did with scaring her before he kills her too and hey her heads off to terry too he doesn't kill a baby Gotta appreciate that. Man has standards. Uh, sure. A man's whatever. gotta have a code. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Much like the killer, just eating McDonald's and, you know, doing lots of yoga. <laughs> I do like just the amount of idiosyncratic shit in this movie. Like you said, this is somebody's passion project. So the guy who directed this only ever made one other movie, and it was, again, depending on when Blood Rage was actually filmed, 83, 84, not 100% sure. I've even read 1980, which seems a little early. I will say, like, on this watch, it felt very late 70s, more than the 80s to me throughout In this. some ways. That carpet. Sure. Mm-hmm. This guy only directed one other movie called Scalpel, which in many ways is just as fucking bug nuts insane. But it is definitely more... It's way sleazier than this movie. You guys should absolutely it's go It's way sleazier. Yeah. Because it is definitely about a fucking rich plastic surgeon scumbag. His daughter fucking dips out, leaving his like wife's will in limbo. He ends up finding a exotic dancer who gets the shit beat out of her, convinces her to have plastic surgery to look exactly like his daughter so that she can show up, say, hey, I'm back. Let me claim that in big fat inheritance. And then they're going to split it. Sounds fine. Well, the catch is then they fucking fall for each other <laughs> and have this really sketch relationship. And then the fucking actual daughter shows back up. So like... John Grismer, who directed Blood Rage, clearly has a thing for exploring twin relationships because that's another movie where you have an actress play two different characters who look exactly the same, one of whom is a killer question mark. So he clearly had something on his chest that he had to get off. Yeah, he definitely has some problems with women, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That was, oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just off this movie, it's already like apparent, but really when you watch Scalpel, you'll you'll see what Aaron's talking about. Like it's, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> book wild. I mean, don't get me wrong. I support it and I agree with it. <laughs> I <don't- laughs> No, uh, uh, just you don't see this shit anymore. I mean, rightfully so. That's a good thing. You you see half of it, right? Like, because all of the dudes that get killed, I I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, stockbroker, yes, you know, put put his head up, uh, cool. Yeah. Um, the, the landlord, yeah, no, he kind of sucked, and he had like some weird religious thing because he, he, he was sitting in his office listening to religious radio, drinking a beer. Yeah, and he sounded exactly like Hank Hill. It was astonishing. <laughs> right, <laughs> best friend. Yeah, I hate him for some reason. So, Tyler, what what are you trying to point out with all the women? What do they have in common that the director is trying to, like, you know, say, like, oh, this is why? That will, the director, I would say, is saying, if you dare leave your children to have sex with another man, you deserve to die. Okay. If you're specifically a specifically wo- mothers. Yes. If you're a woman with sexuality, especially if you're a mother, you deserve to die because that is what sets Terry off in the beginning was when his mom says, oh, I'm going to marry the landlord. And he like looks at Louise Lasser's giant cleavage <laughs> at the Thanksgiving dinner. I don't understand. Very confusing in a good way. That's what <laughs> set him off in the opening is he saw someone having sex. And so he murdered the guy. But like, he can't punish his mom for doing it. So he has to take it out on everyone else. Yes. All the other women and men that are like perpetrating it in his eyes. So that kind of leads me to my next question. You guys is what 
do you think the blood rage actually is? I ask this to every guest, and every guest always has a different answer. What is the blood rage in this movie? Period. The mom's period. <laughs> no. <laughs> the movie was called Slasher. It had to have been <laughs> called Slasher, yeah. right? And there's not much of a blood rage. He's not like, okay, well, there's the beginning part, right? There's that. That's the most prominent scene with blood, is that there are two eight-year-old-ish kids, and he gets blamed with this bloody handprint on his twin. And I feel like that is the blood rage. That sets him off. He's like, you've been marked with my blood rage. Mm, no? sure. Interesting. That's well, I haven't heard that. No, one. I get that. Yeah. I haven't heard okay. that one before. So, yeah, I like that. He's been marked. God, how the fuck that crowd didn't see that he was doing that to his brother. And then they blame his brother is beyond me. But whatever. They, well, they did establish that everyone in the crowd was fucking each other. True. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was preoccupied. Except for that one couple where they, she dumps popcorn on the guy because she's legitimately <laughs> trying to watch the movie. <laughs> God, we need to bring back drive-ins. Yeah, I miss drive-ins. Oh, yeah. I want to see. What was the movie, The House That Cried Blood? So that movie was co-written by this director. He didn't direct that one, but he co-wrote that one. And it's also called The Bride, I believe. Like It has another alternate t- title. They should pick a name. Yeah. <laughs> the horror movie that they're watching on TV later where, like, Terry, of all people, is like, I don't like all the violence. <laughs> that is also The Bride. Yeah. Good line from Terry, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it- <laughs> I saw this one already. <laughs> yeah, he's very self-aware, again. Him having a sense of humor is what sets him apart from other slashers to me. And I also like that there was no mystery. He was the slasher, and it's apparent from the first scene. Yeah, No mask. He's fucking wearing a striped shirt, for Christ's sake. Just (laughs) walking around with his goddamn blonde mullet. It's all good. I will say, too, I brought this up on a past episode, Aaron. Once again, every actor, every time they show their corpse, they're still fucking breathing and moving. Like, mm-hmm. actors just couldn't, like, <laughs> stop twitching. Well, you don't die immediately when you get slashed. True. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, they only get, like, nicked in the face or stabbed in the neck. I, maybe he's just, like, just sitting there, like, this sucks for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, before oh, I Tyler, you're the, you're the nurse. You know about stabbing. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen anybody's severed hand still just tweaking and clutching a beer can? <laughs> <laughs> severed hand tweaking and clutching? No. Severed hand, yes. I was going to say, like, <laughs> the opening kill with the axe. That guy would still be alive. Yeah. I saw someone get axed in their genitals, and they were doing just fine. Well, well, they weren't doing fine. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they're doing fine. <laughs> the opposite of fine, in fact. The patient was like, I just wish, you know, this is awful. Is this bad? I'm like, I've seen worse. And they were like, oh, is that true? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's true. And it was true. I have seen worse. And they really liked it when I said your axe wound has an axe wound. And they started laughing. <laughs> got to lay the spirits a little bit. But like, yeah, like they wouldn't be straight dead, but they would die eventually. Man, mm-hmm. I got to say your nursing experiences are way better than mine because like you have good stories and memories. I just worked in a pediatric ICU and all I have is depression from it. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, we could bond over, you know, holding a child as they die. I don't think it makes for good radio. No. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're going to steer. Let's let's get back to the blood rage. And Terry. <laughs> I'm Todd. I'm I need relief from all this. I need to go back to the blood rage. <laughs> <laughs> Lighten things up a little bit. I need to put someone's head on a rope so a woman finds it. <laughs> you think he was around the corner just like laughing like he's, she's going to. Oh, you know, he was. Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. He was. No, he was. He snuck back into the house to put a coat on her. <laughs> Speaking of kids, the crying baby that Karen is running around with at the end would absolutely not stay calm at all and quiet after she just hides <laughs> it under a fucking sink and closes the door. The baby looked to be like at least six months old. And by that point, they very much know 
for the most part, abandonment and being locked in a pitch black environment wouldn't help with keeping them quiet. So that that's another one that always just tickles me a little bit with Karen. <laughs> Derek, I don't know. Did your parents did lock you under the kitchen sink? No, can't say that they did. To keep you quiet when you were child. Can't say that they did. <laughs> yeah, I used to ride in the back of the trucks, drink out of hoses, get locked in dark cabinets. <laughs> Kids today is too soft. <laughs> yep. No, they just didn't hug me and tell me they were proud of me ever, like most parents. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there it is. There's what we have in common. <laughs> but again, leading up to like my appreciation of Terry as a slasher, he stops to take a piss. I love that. He puts his machete mm-hmm. down and is whistling and just having a good time. It was a long night. He also stops to like take a shower and change into some fresh clothes. We don't get that fucking moment in Friday the 13th part 7 where Jason's like, shit, I look terrible. Hold <laughs> on and go to some fucking Brooks Brothers and put on a new suit or anything. There's no Jason makeover. Michael Myers goes for the same fucking work suit, jumpsuit every time. Like, come on, guys. Let's be fair. Jason X had a makeover. <laughs> True, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He just wants his machete back. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, this movie overall has the kind of energy that I fucking love that's present in a lot of stuff that y'all have covered, especially on the Bruce C podcast. I mean, y'all have talked about so many other movies tangentially on all Mm -hmm. of your shows, but the Bruce C podcast specifically, the vast majority of those movies, and y'all have talked about this, they either are like, holy shit, Sci-Fi Channel is trying to fill some fucking air. So here's a script that we are going to shoot. We are going to put some fucking dollar store wigs on these people. And they're going to be weird cave people in an alien apocalypse future. (laughs) But then there are some genuine crime wave for all of its faults. Man, they fucking tried on that movie, it feels. Did they accomplish what they set out to? No. (laughs) But it feels like everybody's kind of trying on that movie. It's just not working. And that's kind of the energy that I get from this as well, is that, man... A dozen people showed up for this fucking shoot every day. They got up, they fucking took showers, they made coffee, and they went to go make Blood Rage. And I kind of appreciate the fuck out of that. Yeah, frankly, I think the only one who might not be like at least purposely trying their best is Louise Lasser. But it makes but it again, all the, the better. movie is even better for it. Yeah, because like, mm-hmm. her manic yeah. energy of depression alcoholism or whatever was going on in your life and you brought up crime wave she was also notoriously hard to work with on crime wave because she would not let anyone do her makeup other than herself which in (laughs) turn made her look like a cartoon character for the entire movie cheeks too red eyes too blue just tremendously awful on set i mean I wouldn't doubt that that's the same exact situation here. I bet she also demanded to do her own hair, which is why she looks like a fucking Goldilocks doll. <laughs> she probably chose her own wardrobe, which is why there is uncomfortably strange cleavage in that first outfit that she's wearing. <laughs> yeah, like I can imagine a lot of it just being like, oh, cool, go to hair and makeup. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm already prepped. I'm here. Let's shoot. Also, you got to love to the flex of I'm going to spend the vast majority of this production literally just in a fucking terry cloth robe with my wet hair. (laughs) It's especially evident when in the very like opening scenes, like when it's in the past and Todd and Terry are just little boys and she's out on that date. 
where her idea of I'm going to look younger in the scene is I'm going to put on a wig that's just slightly more blonde, I guess. It has a little bow in it, too, doesn't yeah. it? Like, uh-huh. it? Yeah. But otherwise, like, she doesn't look younger at all in that fucking scene at all. Not a bit. Look, I appreciate the effort because like Tyler was saying, you're a single mom raising two fucking shitty old boys. Man, you got to like get out there and find some stability however you choose. Whether that's working harder and bettering yourself and like finding new avenues for fiscal success in your professional life, or if it's just marrying a fucking landlord, like either is valid, I guess, when you're in that situation where one of your children has literally murdered somebody at the age of 10. Yeah, I personally would not fuck someone while my two children were in the back of the car. Uh, well, let me take that back. Maybe I would. I can't judge her. Why not? It's hard. Get it where you can. Aaron's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would definitely like reconsider leaving my very sharp axe back there, though. <laughs> like, maybe I would say, like, yeah. you know, we leave that in the garage. Or actually. the gun laying across their legs. What the hell was that? Different time. It's Florida. <laughs> Florida. What are you yeah. talking about? Oh, yeah, Jacksonville. Sorry. God damn it. I what forgot. if a gator <laughs> rolls up on you? <laughs> yeah, what so- are you going to do? What if 40, 40 boars come charging <laughs> at you? And then that initial murder, too, in the past, when the girl he's having sex with just gets on the car, butt-ass naked, and runs. For the longest time, I kept thinking, like, oh, she's running into the woods. But then this watch, I saw there's clearly a fence there. But then she's still running straight towards it, screaming for help away from everyone else. So I don't know what the direction was there. Just run for the fence, I guess, butt naked. Again, it's Florida. Do we want to run into a crowded area or just go where there are the fewest people? Who knows? It's up for debate. I mentioned this before we started recording because we've all talked about how gnarly some of the effects are in this movie. So fucking born victim nerd guy which (laughs) nate specifically called him the dud before we were recording (laughs) ed french is the special effects guy for this movie hence him giving himself the best gnarly death scene he has actually worked on a ton of shit and i was just skimming his imdb for fun earlier and uh since our last recording he has actually worked on the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. He worked on Amsterdam, which that was a movie. He has also worked on Space Jam, A New Legacy. So Oof. guy is still working, <laughs> at least. Yeah, I mean, at least he's it's working. I hope to God he built the Taylor Swift they threw under the car <laughs> in Amsterdam. That, that would have been perfect. Guarantee you he probably did. That <laughs> There is a good chance that the fucking goofy nerd guy from blood rage had to do like a life cast of t swift and sit her in a fucking chair for six hours and put goop all over her face on a hairnet and plaster her face and just sit there and gloat while taylor swift is miserable for like five hours so there's a very good chance that yes that did actually happen and the guy gave a pretty strong performance for not being an actor primarily like i, I don't think he was acting yeah. i think he didn't know what creme de menthe was <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is one of my favorite characters in this for sure because he read the assignment and understood it perfectly yeah. and just went after it so i i appreciate that as well if any of the performers are self-aware of what they actually were in it was probably him what is the deal with special effects people that are decent actors yeah greg nicotero oh uh, yeah tom savini yeah tom savini, yeah. yeah they all do an okay job <laughs> yeah and they're like fairly memorable in the movies that they're in too yeah sex machine mm-hmm. <laughs> tom savini <laughs> and dawn of the dead is one of my favorite makeup sky doing an acting role is 
the biker gang leader. I love that role that he's in in that. Oh, wait till you watch George Romero's Night Riders. That's Night with a K N. <laughs> that's an actual serious look at artistic integrity via medieval reenactors who do jousting on motorcycles. Fuck yeah. And Tom <laughs> Savini is the fucking heel of that movie. And he's great. He like blows Ed Harris off the screen <laughs> and it's pretty delightful. So he's basically just playing himself from Dawn of the Dead then. Pretty much. Yeah. He could also just be playing himself in real life, which I also like to believe is true. But yeah, Ed French in this movie is pretty fucking great. It has a great death scene and uh, is one of my favorite characters by far. Yeah, he, he goes off of, oh, kids shouldn't drink alcohol. Like he's reading the <laughs> <Yeah>. label. <laughs> You'll get in trouble if you get minors intoxicated. It's like, who says intoxicated? Yeah. Fucking cop behavior right there. Intoxicated? Yep. The yep. nerdiest Jacksonville resident showed up. Yeah. How do you live in Jacksonville? And you don't have a fucking alcohol problem. You live in Jacksonville. <laughs> let's be real. There's a reason why in Ash versus the Evil Dead, the TV show, the character is always dreaming about going back to Jacksonville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just party 24-7 and college kids fucking everywhere, flipping cars over and setting things on fire. But yeah, I love to the like Shadow Ridge Apartments. Another detail that I love is because, again, there's like great production design in this movie in some ways. And then in other ways, you're like, oh, this is all the same apartment that y'all just keep redressing differently for all these scenes that we're shooting because we only paid for one apartment. The like Shadow Ridge Apartments sign is so clearly, oh, we like took Silly Putty and mushed it over the actual letters of this sign and put our own fucking letters up. <laughs> that shit is crooked. You can still see the, like, other name of the apartment complex underneath it. Just, that's one of those weird details that I love that they were just like, good enough. Keep rolling. Let's go. We're, we're seeing it in too high of a fidelity. It was not meant to be seen in high def. No. Like, it, it was meant to seen, like, it was meant to be seen in, like, a second-run theater mm -hmm. or, like, uh, you know, just, like, an awful CRT television that's, like, mostly static. Well, that's, right? that's what we were talking about earlier with the Day of the Dead weird VHS stream. Imagine being able to actually watch this movie in shitty VHS vision. It would, in some ways, probably enhance the experience. Yeah, yeah, it would really soften whatever's going on in Louise Lasser's mouth. She's got <laughs> cigarette mouth in the worst way. We're not meant to see it. <laughs> we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Yeah, no. Too many peas. 1080p was <laughs> too many peas for Louise Lasser's teeth. She needs about 300 peas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just lower res than YouTube. Let's do it. So anyway, yeah, this movie, for it being set on Thanksgiving, I do love, like you said, the general vibes of who are half of the people here? Because this is the age that you start to get into growing up where, like, you've got friends over at Thanksgiving sometimes, your siblings might bring their significant others or their friends over. So, like, there's always a little bit of weird unease and, like, who are these people? Inevitably, you kind of always end up finding, like you said, the two people who want to just fuck off and go put on monster makeup the rest of the night. And the one person who's holding and you can, like, sneak out and go smoke a joint with them. That is a weird aspect of Thanksgiving that I appreciate that this movie gets right, I think. 
The sitting around the table part is always awkward and it's over too fast for all the build up to it. And the rest of the day is just that downward slide of hangover setting in, finding things to do out of boredom and just eating fucking green beans on the floor with your hands. Which in itself is horrific. (laughs) Thanksgiving, the holiday most lent to horror, most underused in horror. Yeah, absolutely. If this movie was shot in the early 80s, 83, we think maybe. Who the fuck owned a video game console in 1983? And I want to know what console that was and what game they were playing. They they blew their uh, student loan money on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was either that yeah. or rent. <laughs> yeah. That guy's lines, like, I'm going to whip you like a stepchild or whatever he said. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Just a yeah. cutaway. You don't even see him say it. It was dubbed in. Just an incredible scene. <laughs> but uh, another thing I thought of, because, like, I've been praising Terry as a slasher this whole episode, but kind of to tie it back into you guys' podcast, speaking of Bruce Campbell, another slasher I thought of that, like Terry seems to be having a great time uh, with what he's doing. And I won't give away who it is. Oh, I know where you're going, but you guys would honestly probably love this movie. 1989's Intruder. Bruce Campbell is only in, like the final five minutes of it, but <laughs> it is a fantastic slasher. And once you find out who the slasher is in this movie and they're like on screen acting like a slasher, they are exactly like Terry. They're having a grand old time. It's a slasher set in a grocery store after hours. Yeah. Okay. That's a good premise yeah. for, yeah, that's good. It's literally just all the deadbeat adults and horny teens who work there doing like an overnight stock count. And somebody is picking them off. If you want to see Sam Raimi like play a born victim, there you go. Like he, Sam Raimi is <laughs> is great in this movie. Then Scott Spiegel, the director, isn't he like a Sam Raimi acolyte? Yeah, he's one of their crew. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the connection. Yeah, is both Raimis are in it. Campbell is in it, and it's I think the only movie that Spiegel ever directed. That was his one at bat, and honestly, it's pretty fun. Pretty damn good. <laughs> like if you want to see, pretty damn good. Some gnarly shit with a uh, meat slicer. Just that kind of nonsense. It's uh, it's pretty fun. I'm gonna check that out. I think I have. I think I bought it when we were prepping for Bruce Campbell podcast. I think it's sitting out there on my DVD shelf. Hell yeah! Yeah, it's a great slasher movie, but it very much the slashers has a lot of Terry energy. I think slashers should have fun. I think the characters in horror movies need to be energetic and having fun. Like this movie, Terry's great in it. Louise Lasser. I don't know if she's great, but her energy works. <laughs> yeah. How does? Uh, what about Todd? Todd. How do you feel about Todd? I mean, he's good. I didn't think it was the same guy. He didn't look like the same guy. No, yeah, he did He did a decent job. And it wasn't just that his hair was forward. I was like, <laughs> this guy's got more emotion in his face. And like, I could see more soul in his eyes. So I yeah. really got to hand it to that actor. He's really good. It is borderline simple Jack a little bit. But <laughs> uh, yes, Mark Soper does a great job really making them feel like different characters. So I agree with you. And it is like even down to like the look in his face between Terry and Todd. Uh, One of our past guests is our friend Jeff, who is legitimately a psychiatrist. And he was even praising how different the personalities were between them. I couldn't tell the two friends playing video games apart, really. They were the same to me. Apparently, one was like a creepy friend zone guy. The other one was stage makeup. They were not terribly good. But I thought the woman with the baby, I thought she was really good at what she was doing. She was funny. Mm-hmm. And then the party girl, I mean, sorry, nipples protruding, very disrespectful, but I thought very <laughs> effective in her role. She was really good. She was a lot of fun. 
this movie rocks. Yeah. And so, like, here's one last thing I'm going to throw at you guys. How did you feel? With, like, we have this manic energy throughout this movie. Terry's running around having a good time. And then we just out of nowhere get this bleak as fuck ending. How did you guys like that tonal whiplash in the final seconds? Fitting. Absolutely fitting. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't fit so well. It was so perfect. Absolutely perfect. Because the obvious answer for this movie is she accidentally kills the innocent twin and the slasher gets to keep slashing. But no, the innocent twin lives. She just wanted the slasher to live. That is a beautiful little gut punch. I love that about it. It subverted my expectations. Everyone just chanting, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, <laughs> over and over again. That's the sequel we need, is a 30-year-later legacy sequel thing where Todd is back out again, and he is now this cult figure, and he's just got people across the town all out on the streets chanting like, we are Todd, we are Todd. <laughs> and what sets him off is they slide a piece of pie across the stage to him. <laughs> and then he just he, he looks at it and is like, I, I fucking hate pumpkin yeah, pie. I don't want to. Just wanna... <laughs> throws it against the wall. Every Thanksgiving, he chains himself to the basement so he can't live through that again. Just never see a pumpkin pie again that he wants to hook at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. That seed's wild every year. Uh-huh. Just every time, I'm, I'm like, oh, oh yeah we're watching this movie again okay and then it gets to that scene where he just fucking stands up and grabs a squishy fistful of that pie and slangs that shit against the wall i'm like oh yeah here we go i'm right back <laughs> in baby we're <laughs> back go. in wait so in this proposed sequel you're pitching are you saying he's like some sort of thanksgiving werewolf <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's, every, that's what i was pitching every yeah. thanksgiving that he turns <laughs> he's honoring his brother yeah <laughs> he turns into leftovers every year we had already done the bit of oh let's pitch our own sequels but since you guys did that naturally like we should add that bit to every episode no matter the guest <laughs> pitch a pitch sequel. Your sequel to blood rage <laughs> yeah. i like the idea of someone coming and finding him and his home and it's like i think my brother's turning into a thanksgiving slasher and he's like there's something i haven't heard in quite some time and he's like <laughs> the dewey in the new scream movies <laughs> uh yeah it's just a new group of fucking gen z gen alpha i don't fucking know like the youngins and just a lot of Oh, yeah. With that. their darn TikToks. Exactly, yeah. Oh, my just... God. It's the grown-up baby from this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There ah. you go. That's who shows up. That's who's doing killing. Yeah. It imprinted on his psyche. Because <laughs> yeah. if we really want to talk about the consequences, that kid's life is ruined. It's Oh, it's over for that yeah. little brat. Straight yeah. into the orphanage and foster care system, which is a fucking nightmare. So. In Florida? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Uh, Yeah, I like to imagine that that's the actual path this takes is friday the 13th part five is actually just a blood rage sequel not the fifth sequel to fucking this series about jason that doesn't actually have jason in a third <laughs> of the movies but yeah everything about this movie i find to just be charming in such a fucking weird way that's so specific and again just very very particular decisions were made that got us this end product and boy, oh boy, I need the disaster artist, but for this movie, I need an oral history on the making of Blood Rage. You know, maybe one of these days we'll get something along those lines. But as of right now, yeah, we just have Blood Rage available on streaming pretty much everywhere. So cool. Well, uh, I guess that is about it to wrap up this holiday episode. Do we have any final thoughts, theories? 
concerns, weird details that we want to bring up about Blood Rage. What if it was cranberry sauce? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that? What if it was that? He did slice through people pretty easily as if they were cranberry sauce. He's a prankster. You're suggesting in this universe people's blood is made of cranberry sauce? No, I think he just had like had some sl- stashed away. He cleaned out the blade and then he just kind of smeared it and, you know, coated it up. And he'd be like, wouldn't it be funny if I told him? That? <laughs> <laughs> that would be very funny. You're right. Yep. Got him. <laughs> Take that, Terry, you son of a bitch. I do think we needed a little more character development for some of the friends. Because like you joked about, they're all a little samey to a degree. You know, I think there should have been a scene when they were all sitting around partying and drinking. Where, you know, maybe Nipples Girl or somebody just talks about how she's fascinated by the idea of dying. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Never. Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? And wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Try not to think about dying too much. Mm. Well, for me, the worst way would be for a bunch of old men to get around me and start biting and eating me alive. I don't know where I've heard that before. It sounds familiar. I knew it was going to come up at one point. See, I don't think about dying too much. <laughs> yeah, I try not to think about dying. Oh, God, Aaron's taking off his shirt again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, everybody get over here. He's hanging dog. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just on a gravestone, just flap, flap, flap. There we go. (laughs) Cool. All right, Tyler, any other final thoughts? He's Todd, not Tyler. Tyler, he's Todd. He's Tyler. I'm Todd. I'm Tyler. This is quintessential 80s slasher cheese, and I wish it stuck with the name slasher because it's perfect. Like, it truly is the perfect name for this movie. Yeah, I still can't believe they were the ones to get the name Slasher, by the way. Well, I think that was ultimately the problem as to why they changed the name. (laughs) Cool. Derek, any final thoughts before we bounce out? No, I think we covered everything. I'm very thankful for you all. Nate, are you thankful for me? I'm thankful in general. Shut up, cunt. (laughs) Sorry, I wanted to quote my favorite Thanksgiving thing, which was that John Lithgow Dexter scene. That's that's, that's all I got. (laughs) Okay. Sorry to drop a hard C on Watch If You Dare. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, I guess that is going to be it for this year's Blood Rage episode. Derek, you want to take us out, my guy? Sure. We are Watch Dare Horror Movie Podcast, hosted by me, the coward Craven, and Aaron, the movie Monster Boy. You can catch us at any of your favorite podcatchers. We're pretty much on all of them, Apple, Spotify, etc., Please follow and review us five stars, please. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash watch if you dare for only $5 a month. You get access to well over a dozen hours of bonus content, and we put out bonus content every two weeks. So check us out there. We are doing all our commentary tracks there now. Talk about TV there. Hopefully we can start doing a little more interviews on there soon. And since this is our Thanksgiving episode, we'd like to say thanks to all of our patrons, yes, including Tyler. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Your support. Let me just say, you're welcome. Ah, yes, finally, <laughs> I'm getting the thanks I deserve. You're welcome. Is it Tyler speak- Grand? Speaking of uh, that, uh, we're also thankful for you guys' shows. Where can they find your stuff? What shows you guys on? What hit them with your socials? 
We're everywhere. The Bruce Campbell podcast is what right. we are called. We also have that old chestnut anamorphin time. Uh, you can follow us at uh, Bruce C. Pod on Twitter. Anamorphin time on Twitter. You can follow Nate at Baitnoid on Twitter. You can follow me at Bear Nurse on Twitter. We're, we're around. We got some irons in the fire. Some sets are being built. Yeah, we're, we're building a set in our garage. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll see. We got some shit coming down the horn that I think y'all... And I'm talking specifically to you, Aaron and Derek. Not all these freaks listening, because I don't know them, but I know you two. <laughs> we got some stuff. I think you'll enjoy. Yeah, hell yeah. And we'll we'll be sure to uh, blast that out when uh whenever you guys have it available. Thank you guys. We really appreciate y'all coming on. Yeah, this thank was you. a lot of fun. Yeah, it was yeah, a huge. Thank you for showing us this masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm glad y'all genuinely enjoyed it because everybody that I have ever watched this with is partly like what the fuck is this? I kind of love this. And <laughs> the other half is like, do we have to keep fucking doing this? <laughs> Why do we watch movies with you anymore? <laughs> because you get gold. You get gold, baby. Speaking of our socials, we're at Watch of Dare on Facebook and Twitter as well. Follow us on there. You can get our Spotify music playlist. Uh, it's pinned at the top of our Facebook. It's also on our Podbean website if you want some spooky tunes. Speaking of music, shout out to your little brother, Jesse Mansfield, for the bumps at the beginning and end of each episode. Follow his music at Party Gator on Bandcamp. He's also on Big Clown, Opossums, a bunch of other stuff. Shit's good. Go throw some money his way. Get some good tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think that's it, Aaron. You have anything else? <sighs> Once again, I have to bring this up. And I feel like, Derek, I have to bring this up every year, specifically with you. Okay. And I I think it's juvenile, and I'm just over it. I'm tired of you sending a fucking wet envelope of lumpy, cold, gelatinous fucking cranberry sauce to me in the mail every fucking year. Getting tired of it. Like, let's, let's just call it quits. This is done. I don't want to see it ever again. That's not cranberry sauce, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it rolling. Is that what you wanted with the, for the ending? That works, because I did not have an ending planned okay, out. you just put uh, me on the spot. Cool. Thanks, asshole. Yes, and? Yes, and? <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> it's not cranberry sauce.